Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Property taxes. How much are local taxes going up this year? Hopefully, I have your attention right now. January is budget month across Northumberland County. Municipal councils are working overtime to finalize their budgets, and politicians are on the hot seat. That also means the staff is facing tons of pressure to get the numbers right. It's a balance between the services people want and how much taxes they're willing to pay for them. With inflation riding at 6 to 7% right now, and the economy on the brink of a recession, the cost of everything is more. From the price of groceries to a box of nails, it's going to cost you more. And nobody is immune. More importantly, we are all feeling the pinch, some more than others. On today's show, I'll be looking at the county budget. It is expected to be finalized before the end of the month. The first draft of the budget put the increase at 7%. That will mean an average increase of $78. Jennifer Moore, the CAO for Northumberland County will explain what is going on. I'm so pleased to have with me today Jennifer Moore, the CAO for Northumberland County. Welcome back to Consider This Northumberland. Hi, Rob. The county is looking at a 5% increase in the levy, along with a 2% increase in the dedicated infrastructure account. That's higher than normal for county council. Why, why such an increase? Well, I think what we're what we're really facing is the same as as we are personally, as well as what businesses are facing, and that's that in inflation is is going up. And when we look at all of the services that the county uses, what we purchase, uh, we're we're seeing that inflation too. So um, that that's really the the driver. We have had it our objective for many years that um, we would look at um, levy increases that were um, generally aligned with the rate of inflation. Uh, and that's what we've we've pretty much stuck to pretty closely over the last decade or so. Uh, but when inflation spikes, um, we, we still need to provide the services and, and therefore we feel the same cost pressures as everybody else. So when you look at the economic indicators, they're talking right now about a 6 to 7% inflation rate currently. And, and when you combine uh, both the levy and the dedicated infrastructure, that's at about 7%. So that's your logic? We're, we're actually a little bit less. We're about 5.9. So um, will be about 4.8 for the operating and 1.1 for the dedicated infrastructure levy. When you read the county's budget, it makes a very strong case to support the increased levels. Now, it reads as if there is no room to ma- maneuver. Is, is that true? There, there's not a lot. When we look at the county budget, um, even though we have a lot of debate and discussion and, and spend a lot of time pulling it together, uh, the vast majority of what's contained in the budget is is mandatory services and, and compliance with legislation. So many of our programs are required, um, most often the provincially mandated 
Um, and you know, even where we fund some of those programs, uh, many require matching or certain portions that are, are paid for by the county levy. Uh, so there's very a very small portion of our budget where we have very much discretion. Can you describe that discretionary part? What percentage of the budget is it, and what are some of those items that sit in that in that basket? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how we define discretionary. And there's certain things that, while they may not be legislated, uh, they're very much an expectation. So, for example, uh, we do have to have um, waste services. So we do have to have a facility um, for the collection of, of waste and, and, and those sorts of things. We do have to have a recycling program, but we don't have to actually go out and collect our garbage. Uh, but and, you know, I, I can't imagine that that would ever be a service that would be up for debate. So uh, while technically it, it's discretionary, we know that in, in practicality, all of our residents very much use that service and, and expect that service. So um, there are things that while they are under legislation discretionary, uh, we wouldn't really consider them discretionary because we very much rely on those services. There are a few small um, areas where we have some discretion. Um, I think those are generally our very small departments. If we look at some of our um, functions within economic development and tourism, um, some of those sorts of things, there, there are um, some components of, of our services. Uh, when we look at our public works, um, the majority of things are required, but there are some uh, certain elements that, again, they're, they're technically discretionary, uh, but when we lo look at service expectations, um, safety expectations, um, I, I think there's a strong case that there's not a lot of room there to, to stop some of that programming as well. So it's, it's a wide range. We have some great documentation. We actually spent um, all day yesterday doing an orientation for our new members of council. And within that, each department actually went through what some of their mandatory and discretionary services were. And it was a, a really good reminder and overview of, of the, the vast majority of our programs um, are, are really uh, mandatory or, or essential to the public. Some listeners may be hearing what you're saying and say, well, what about capital projects? What about the, the roads we're going to repair or, you know, the, the new Campbellford Bridge, for example? When you have dedicated infrastructure account, how discretionary are those projects? I, I, again, it, it, I, it, it depends on how you define discretionary. And yes, we do have some latitude um, on whether or not we choose to go ahead and what the timing of those projects might be. But I think we've seen over many decades what the repercussions are of pushing those projects out too far. And, and what, what happens is that that infrastructure um, certainly gets to a point where it may not be safe. We may look at infrastructure that has to be closed uh, eventually, or we, we see it all the time that if you let infrastructure fail to a certain point, then the cost escalates substantially uh, because rather than doing significant maintenance or repair programs, you're doing complete replacements, which can be uh, far more expensive and uh, a much greater impact to the public if you have to take an, an asset out of service for a point in time. So it's finding that balance. And some of those very large projects, um, we, we could consider pushing them off. And, and that is something that um, historically uh, sometimes has been a, a choice um, to try and keep um, a, a levy lower for a period of time. But ultimately, we find that the cost is usually greater, um, both in the cost of impact to service, uh, as well as the ultimate financial cost if, if you put that off too long. And what we're seeing is that we know we've fallen behind substantially. Um, we only have about 14 or $15 million a year that we're putting into um, our, our, made, our capital infrastructure for the most part, and we should be up over 26 uh, million. So we, we have a substantial gap 
we've already we're already behind, which is typical of most municipalities across the country. We're you know we're very much like all of our peers, uh, but we really don't want to see that that gap grow um, even further because then we fall farther behind. And like I said, there's there's risks of those service levels deteriorating as well as the safety of those assets. What role does inflation play in the current budget? I, I think when we look at um, pretty much everything is being impacted to some degree by inflation. Uh, where we've really seen it uh, impact us is in our capital projects, as well as uh, the purchases of equipment. Um, those things have gone up substantially. Uh, and when we have a lot of our services that use the same the same things that we're we're experiencing in our households and where we're seeing it go up, you know, we we have uh, long term care where we're seeing food prices go up, and we we're seeing you know buying vehicles the price is is up. Uh, fuel. Uh, we we have a lot of uh, stock on the road. We have to have our ambulances and our snowplows and all of those things are on the road. Uh, they all have to have gas in them. So that's gone up. Uh, so all of those are service contracts. Um, we know that if you go to purchase services for virtually anything, um, those prices have escalated and, and we are the users of a lot of services. So um, almost every aspect of the business is, is being impacted by inflation to some degree. Uh, where we're seeing the greatest, um, you know, buying an ambulance or a snowplow, those costs um, have have increased substantially, as well as the lead time in order to acquire those those pieces of equipment. We've talked about this in past uh, interviews, but I, I want to come back to it in this context, and that is some of the legislative changes that has taken place at the provincial level, in particular in regards to development charges, so, uh, a form of revenue that the county could count on to come in and to help defer some of the costs related to development within the county. When you've got down into the fine numbers, what has been the impact of these legislative changes on the budget? I so because of the nature of development charges, they typically they they're really for our capital uh, projects. So we won't see a big impact in one year. Uh, what happens is we see that impact over time. Um, largely, what um, we will propose as the projects that would have been funded uh, by those development charges, you know, housing being the biggest one that we certainly spoke out about publicly. Um, we still would like to go forward with those housing projects. And if we do, we have to look at alternate sources of revenue, which would most likely be a uh, debenture. Uh, and then of course that would have an impact on the levy over time uh, as we repay that debt. So um, that has a twofold impact. It um, does uh, have that, that levy impact as we repay it. It also um, limits what we're able to do because uh, the province does set limits on how much uh, money we can borrow. Uh, and we want to be prudent. Um, you know, we know in our own households, we don't want to borrow too much money. You have to be able to make your payments uh, and the same for the county. So it's finding um, that amount of money where we can um, repay those debts and not impact our service levels. Uh, but we we are seeing that that will most likely go up over time as, as a result of us not having uh, those development charges uh, available for those projects. What are some of the other external pressures that are being placed on the county budget that that you're not able to control? Um, there, there's always a lot, and and I, probably probably most of what we do, um, we we have a hard time controlling. Uh, certainly, we're seeing growth in in our community, so we we have to be able to uh, respond to that. We've continued to see you know the number of paramedic calls go up. 
Um, we're continuing to see the usage of, uh, you know, users in our forests. We're seeing more people than we've ever seen before. So it, it's a wide range where we're seeing that. I think we're also seeing um, expectations increase. We're seeing our community um, change. Uh, folks move in from maybe more urban areas, uh, which results in a, in a higher expectation of service that they they may have had in an urban area versus our more rural community and, and you know, balancing those pressures uh, I think there's certainly a lot of pressures as we look at um, changing provincial legislation and, and provincial expectations. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about different pieces of legislation, not just the, the development charges, but um, as far as planning, um, turnaround time for getting things approved, those sorts of things. So, of course, that all means we need the staff resources to, to meet that and comply with it. Um, and so that that's very important. Um, I think we're seeing um, the broader pressures, you know, we, we've alluded to housing, um, certainly um, more interest in, in the county's role and what we're able to, to do there. So uh, an, an interest or a demand in, in enhancing those services, um, looking at a number of our social services programs, you know, we do have in this budget that um, proposing more than double um, the county levy portion to, for funding for homelessness response. Uh, so a lot of those community issues uh, are certainly reflected in the budget in trying to enhance some of those services um, where they're a priority area for the community. So it, it's wide ranging. Um, all the things that we hear about in the news, um, many of them make their way into our budget in one form or another. Politicians uh, obviously are responsible to voters. And of course, you know, when you talk about a 7% increase, uh, there's lots of taxpayers out there that are, you know, going crazy and calling and attacking their their politicians. So when they come to the table, they start to, you know, they're hungry to find uh things to do. And and in the in the budget it mentions things like uh, options of deferring capital projects which you've talked about, uh reducing reserve contributions is another strategy that can be used. And you can use these to reduce taxes and also you can as you talked about increase the debt load. Why are these not good ideas? And the budget uses this term, responsible taxation. Can you explain to us what that is and why all these things that that maybe politicians and taxpayers want to see done are not a good idea? I, I think we, we, we really like to make the analogy to what we do in our personal lives. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things are maybe just different words for what we do on our own household budgets. And we talk about reserves, you know, reserves are really our savings account for what we're going to do in the future. And, you know, we, we like to set money aside so that we can um, either pay for some of our big projects or partially pay for some of our projects. We have reserves so that we have those rainy day funds that if we have that huge winter storm, or if we have an, an unplanned event, we have a bit of money in the bank that we can use for that. So no different than the principles if you're household and you want to try and have a little bit in your savings account um, that, that you can, you know, if you're going to do renovations on your home, maybe you need to borrow a little bit, but you want to have a little bit in the bank to pay for part of it up front. Or, um, you know, you do want to have a bit of money set aside in, in case something happens in your family situation that that you can pull on that money. And that that is the ideal situation for budgeting. And we try to do that at the county. And, you know, same thing with debt. We hear a lot about household debt and, and you know, same rules for the county is that we want to borrow, but we want to make sure that it's, it's smart borrowing and um, we're only doing it where it's needed. We're only doing it to a certain degree so that we're not impacting um, what we can do in, in the future. So, you know, I, I, all of those things, it, it's really the same as what we need to do in our own personal lives. 
um, and balancing how much we can save, how much we borrow. Um, if we're gonna, you know, we know that if we don't make repairs to our car or our house, we could be stranded on the side of the road or our roof is gonna leak. We need to main all, maintain all of our assets for the county, just that same philosophy. And, and that's where we talk about responsible taxation is that um, we need to strike that balance about what is uh, appropriate. We don't wanna tax excessively, but we wanna be responsible with how we maintain our assets and the services that we deliver. Economists are talking a lot about a recession. We, we're all experiencing inflation when we go to the grocery store or fill up with gas. We're all very, very aware of that. These kinds of conditions often place additional pressures on social services, which is a county responsibility. Where in the budget is there additional monies in, in planning for maybe an uptick in the need for social services um, as, as uh, these economic forces begin to roll out across Northumberland? Uh, social services is a very complex area when we talk about funding. Uh, we do receive substantial funding from the province and there are certain components where it is it is directly flow through. For example, Ontario Works Program, those monies flow through. Um, if our caseload increases, then then those monies are, are available through that avenue. And, and you know, every one of our programs has a different model. Um, so some of it is 100% funding, some of it is, is matching dollars, and we would rely on our partners at the province to, to work with us through, through some of those. Um, there are certain um, elements of our social programming that rely on the county levy substantially. Um, I did mention about homelessness. Uh, we are looking at adding $300,000 to the budget to increase that response because we know um, that that is a demand within our community already. Um, so that that is in the 2023 proposed budget that, that we would respond um, directly to homelessness. Some of the other um, things that, that we have in there are some, some funds to uh, enhance a bit our rent supplement program. We know that um, folks are struggling to, to acquire or maintain rental accommodations. So there are some initiatives um, to try and help folks um, acquire that housing and, or, or, or keep that housing if, if they're at risk of losing it. Um, knowing that uh, it is um, much more economically feasible in many cases to, to help people um, in that sense to stay in their home rather than um, have them face more difficult challenges. So looking at a mix of those programs and, and those are, are things that are funded by levy dollars. So it, it's a blend of how we use the provincial dollars and what we fund directly through the, the local taxpayer. Is there any room at all for new initiatives or new programs? I think we've become very creative and there are some new initiatives. We've uh, you know, certainly heard about our broadband initiative where we're able to leverage both federal and provincial monies um, to roll that out and, and very, very little county investment, um, direct investment is in that one. It's been mainly our staff time to develop that project. So very exciting, uh, but not something that costs the county a lot. Uh, I think when we're looking at our housing projects, um, same sort of thing. We know there will be some um, local tax dollars that will go into those, but uh, we're becoming fairly adept at reaching out to our partners at other levels of government um, to see what they can contribute and, and see where we can find cost sharing. Uh, so I think those are some of the things that we do to try and see how far we can stretch our local dollars um, and, and expand on that and, and get a bit of a multiplier in there. So um, yeah, it, it's there's not a not a lot of um, brand new in the budget, but there there are still some some exciting things. Um, you're seeing the you know our community paramedicine program, for example, 
is you know fully uh, ramped up now, uh, and those are 100% provincial funding dollars. So you know there there are a number of things that we've been able to bring on to to serve our community better, um, but do it without a, a significant levy impact. Within the budget presentation, uh, it was surprising to see that there are ongoing pandemic impacts. Uh, people might think that that's all over with, but still there are things that are being impacted. Can you explain what you, what what is going on there? Um, there's there's a few. Some of them are still. Um, so, some might be. Um, a, a, I guess a. A, a very active um, impact. So in long-term care, uh, many of those protocols, uh, as far as you know, enhanced cleaning and, and some of those things, um, they remain fully in place. So there's there's certainly additional costs that that go along with that, uh, and and that we'll be incurring those for for some time. We don't know exactly when that will be lifted, but for now, uh, certainly long-term care has some very direct costs um, that that they're dealing with. Some of our other departments, it's maybe more of a residual as we're moving back to to the new normal. Um, there, there's some 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 things that we we continue to to do and monitor, um, but long term care is certainly the the most impacted at this point. If this budget is passed unchanged, the documentation says that it's going to mean a seventy eight dollar increase for the average home. Now, this is based on very old assessments, 2016. Why is there no change? And is that a fair representation of of, of the impact that the budget's gonna have? Um, they, the impact assessments um, have been on pause uh, since before the pandemic. Um, that has been a provincial decision. Uh, we're takers of information from MPAC. Uh, there is has been um, a, a movement among municipalities um, to to say to the province, we think we're ready to see those new assessments roll out, and that would be appropriate. Um, hopefully, in 2024, uh, that would probably be a, a fair way of doing it, given that there has been uh, significant changes in in home values. But I think we need to remember um, when we when we look at at that, it's all relative to the value of our neighbors' properties. So um, you know, if, if our if our homes are undervalued according to the last assessment, as long as all of our neighbors are undervalued as well, then we're kind of all in relatively the same spot, and and then the taxes are distributed appropriately. Um, where um, we might see changes if there is particular. Uh, classes of assessment that have changed significantly and those aren't reflected, um, then we would see a bit of a, a shift. So because the data is a bit old, if there has been a shift, um, then we we haven't seen that. But where the entire evaluation of properties have changed, um, the proportions are the same. So there won't be a, a big impact. And I, and I think that's what property owners always need to remember that um, it, it's not the market value, it's your assessed value. Um, that we base your, your property taxes on. So I, I know often there's some confusion when we throw around a, a $250,000 or $275,000 average rate. Everyone says, my home's worth more than that. And, and it is if you were to sell it, but um, everybody's home is, is valued at those old 2016 rates. So we're comparatively okay. So just because homes are selling for seven hundred or a million, seven hundred thousand or a million dollars, that that isn't meaning my taxes are going to suddenly go up two hundred, three hundred percent. No, not unless your home went up um, more than all of your neighbors. 
Is there any further chances for public input into the budget process at this particular point going forward? Um, there, there is, um, there's always opportunity. Um, what we're hoping for timelines, uh, there will be uh, tomorrow is, um, is the 18th. So that, that is going to be a full day of council deliberation uh, where they will debate and discuss everything that's been proposed. They've had that documentation in front of them since December. So they've had a number of weeks to, to look at it. Uh, and we've also had presentations at our standing committees um, to give a bit of an up department by department uh, summary of what they can expect. So um, we um, will uh, ideally, they, they could potentially uh, approve it tomorrow. Um, more likely, um, we're hoping we're targeting January 25th. Uh, and of course, members of the public um, could request delegation. They could speak with um, councillors um, and make their opinions known. Um, you know, they could send in correspondence. So there, there is mechanisms for them to comment if, if they wished, uh, but it has already been out there for quite some time. Um, and there's been opportunity for the public to, to comment if, if they wanted to. If somebody was listening today and, and thought they wanted to get the budget and have a look through it, where should they go? It's on the county website. Uh, so there are pages and pages uh, of, uh, of documentation. Uh, we do try and, and, and lay it out in a fairly user-friendly format in that um, it's by department. Uh, we have what we call issue papers. Those are significant changes, uh, be it new capital assets, uh, changes in service level, um, new staffing, those sorts of highlights. And then there's also overviews on the services we have and, and then the, the numbers. There's the spreadsheets that actually show uh, where we're spending our dollars and all of that is available. Next steps then uh, for you, you've just outlined with uh, the approval process, but um, for staff and for, for the public, what should we be uh, keeping our eye on in terms of next steps uh, as, as we go forward? Uh, the, the budget process is really never ending. It's just a big cycle. So once it, it does get approved, um, then we start to um, upload it to the county system and then um, there become updates, regular updates at the, uh, the standing committee meetings. Um, so you can see how we're tracking against that budget. Um, once it's approved, uh, there'll also start to be RFPs and tenders that get issued from what was approved in the budget so that we can go out and make those purchases. Uh, and then throughout the year, um, you will we'll see how we perform against the budget and um, staff get, um, they, they start shaking their head, but by about May, we're only another two or three months away uh, from when we will actually start the pre-work uh, to get ready for the 2024 budget. <laughs> Jennifer Moore, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. You're very welcome. That was Jennifer Moore, CAO of Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments, 
or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.